What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly, well, some, it, the, an aspiring to be weekly podcast based on the current release of movies that fit the show. Uh, your podcast for reboots, remakes, sequels, and adaptations, and why we keep repeating these IPs and the same stories and the same ideas and the same titles. As always, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And we are talking about a movie that is some quick math, really quickly, minus 1986, 36 years in the making. I think this is our longest show wow. of original <laughs> to release of sequel. Uh, and it's not even some like, well, they don't want to make this movie until a few years ago. They, we've been talking about this since, they, we've been talking about this sequel since longer than I've been alive. Yeah. By a hair. Um, it's wild. We're, of course, talking about Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to the 1986 film Top Gun, Tom Cruise's explosion onto the scene after a Ridley Scott bomb and a, what was it? Not, I almost said Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but that's not correct at all. Uh, not risky business risk, but risky business risky business yeah uh so here we are he's now a bona fide movie star he is surrounded by people every single frat party you've ever been to you've heard these code names even if you don't know that they're co-signs for the movie i'm sure your dumb friends have done their buzzfeed games and made you goose or maverick yeah that one guy who thinks he's so awesome i'm maverick like he would know <laughs> uh Let's get into this. Let's start with the original Top Gun because I feel like it's worth discussing now because it, it was so, it wasn't lampooned upon its release, but in 1986, it was a mixed reception. It was a little back and forth on how the critics felt. And after four weeks in the theaters, something unprecedented happened and it was released in 45% more theaters, which I don't know if you've gone to a movie theater recently, but normally after four weeks, you're on Paramount Plus <laughs> in today's world. So yeah. this was crazy. It has, without a sequel until now, without a show or a comic or a Saturday morning cartoon or even so much as some weird direct-to-DVD nonsense, has stayed in the pop culture zeitgeist for everybody for 1986. Why, Terrence? Why do you <laughs> think this is? One, how do you feel about it? How did you feel about it then? And so, why, why, what's going on? It's funny, you and I recently rewatched Top Gun, one, probably for the show, but two, we have a friend who had not seen any of Tom Cruise's uh, filmography. And so we, we pushed this up to the list because she went with us. And so... That was my second time ever seeing Top Gun, and I had not seen it uh, from that probably within like the last 20, 25 years. So I did not, I don't, I didn't hold that film up to much regard. I think it's very much a product of its time. Um, it is that quintessential mid 80s, like, look at these, these hot guys doing hot things and like, let's be a quote, quote, quote unquote, Navy propaganda film, because that's, that's cool too, you know, military, yeah, rah, rah. I mean, this isn't a quote unquote. The Navy was consult. We're gonna we'll get into that yeah. because I think it's fascinating. Um, and so it's a very bare bones script that is kind of created here. There's, the plot is very thin for that for for Top Gun, and but it is something about it 
it's a, it's a huge star vehicle for, for Tom Cruise. You kind of see the charisma just oozing off of him. You're like, I could watch this guy do anything. And it kind of just becomes this sort of, as it goes along and people start watching it with you, start getting parties that watch it together. It becomes this cult phenomenon that you're kind of just like, this is bigger than what this movie is. And that's why I think after four weeks, it started just growing in size and people kind of like, and then you have the, the crazy theme song, like they take my breath away and the uh, danger zone. Kenny Loggins, Highway to the becomes, Danger Zone. Yeah, which just become like cult phenomena too. It just becomes this huge zeitgeist piece. More so than I think the film itself is, it becomes the film, the, the whole concept of Top Come becomes bigger than everything. And it just becomes massive uh, quickly. And so I don't think the movie itself is, even with the rewatching, it's like, oh, this is still good. This still holds up. But I don't even think it was that good of a film then. But it just makes you feel something. There's an energy to Top Gun that I don't think you get a lot from those films back in the day. Well, it is very interesting. Uh, you're right. I think everything you said is correct. And I think also, I mean, this was really our, and I didn't really realize this if I was uh, sort of looking up the trends, but we had up until now really only made war and military movies with post-Vietnam. Apocalypse Now and things like that. And like we had a right. terrible military image in, the, in film, uh, in general, in the world. Mm -hmm. And this was, you're right, this like big naval propaganda Oh my God. But I mean, you're, you're from the Midwest. So there were, you also had air and water shows. I think it has a little bit of the Jurassic Park thing where it's like, people like planes. They like yeah. dinosaurs. People like, it's cool. You simp and, simp keep it simple and you, you get us in the, in, the, in the theater. Yeah. And I mean, Tony Scott, rest in peace, uh, just films the hell out of those planes. And just, it is a gorgeous technical movie watching it in 4k on netflix if you could see it back in a theater it really is just like a cinematic masterfully made movie that has really no clear antagonist and no clear villain right. every now and then the f-14 tomcats fly around or the bogey comes in like we don't even know who killed it's yeah so uh, it, it act operates more as a sort of a character piece for maverick but the the gist of it is the the fighting we're here for the jets that's what we're here for and i i am still even with the rewatch that we just did i am still amazed that tony scott was able to pull off some of the shots and some of the aerial stuff that he was able to get in the 80s <laughs> oh i mean to, even now it's i right. mean that was one of the reasons it was pushed back in 2019 was to, to finesse mm -hmm. the aerial combat and it's also interesting because I think you and I shared the same sentiment when we rewatched it of like, well, you know, it's not, it's a really good movie. Don't get me wrong, but there's not too much going on. Right. And I've thought more and more about it and more and more as I've talked about the movie with friends and my parents and everybody and this like bro kinship wingman idea that everyone like clings to with it. I'm like, well, those are my wingmen. Those are my friends. They're going to get me through anything. And a part of me suddenly was like, you know, this might have accidentally tapped into something that we don't get a lot in movies, which is a love story, but for friendship. Like it is a, it is a bromance. It is a, like, these are my friends. Between men. Like you get that yeah. a little bit more with females. Like they typically have that friend kinship, but like guys being guys as being best friends, that's rare. Um, so yeah, this kind of 
put the seeds for that but it was like guess what we're also doing cool stuff with jets so never mind <laughs> the romance. yeah that's that's why you're here and then it gets you there and it's like ha romance and friendship <laughs> we tricked you with planes <laughs> and we'll do it again we will get you get again. ready to cry at a naval movie you <laughs> idiot uh that's the movie talking to me yes <laughs> and you know and it is crazy because like you go back now and you're like hey you know, there's not traditionally but uh but when he hugs Iceman and when he's holding goose and when he's he's got his girl and he's riding off into the sunset and he's learned so much about him and great balls of fire and you're like yeah this is some just dumb movie to put on and in that in that weird way where like I think the joke when I was growing up back when uh, Facebook had stickers and bumpers for those of you elder millennials who are aware yes. <laughs> of that time um, I remember there was one that my friend always sent me. It was like, do you want to have a real heart to heart? But like, while we play Halo. And I was like, yeah, that's how I do it. I can tell the dumb cyborg that I love him. And it's not me telling my friend that I would be lost without him. I can right. say it through the animation. And I think yeah. Top Gun was that for a lot of people at a time where it was like, you don't, don't hug your friends. This was the like, they're my wingmen. Mm -hmm. And it's not, we're not being emotional. We're being awesome. <laughs> right. Um, and it's great. And I think that's part of it. Like, it is this dumb, like, give each other nicknames and, like, go out with your squad and your team. And whether that means, like, a basketball game or a, a party where you're like, we're going to meet girls. I, I think there is just a kismet in it. And he learns so much about himself. And I think yeah. there is a growing up self-reflection in it and those planes terrence those beautiful planes those beautiful planes yeah but yeah so this was then like it, it was they thought it was helpful to the military's image post-vietnam which like i don't know if it was or wasn't i don't have military I, sign yeah, up numbers same um but i mean i guess it's a, certainly a more fun look like we haven't had a good time with planes in a while yeah uh, unless they were space planes and then, you know, the Navy was consulted. A lot of this stuff had to be accurate. And it was believed that the Navy was funding a sequel immediately after the, the success of this movie. It had blown up Tony Scott, Jerry Bruckheimer, Tom Cruise. They, they could do anything they wanted now. Mm -hmm. Jerry Bruckheimer, that's not correct. Yeah, he's a producer. He's, on yeah, 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 yeah. He's a producer on the first one. Um, they had the world. So it turned out the Navy was funding a sequel. And not five years after this, in 1991, at a naval event, this is going to blow your mind, and I will say it's a light trigger warning for assault. A hundred naval and marine aviators were accused of allegedly sexually assaulting and harassing 83 women and seven men. Jesus. Doing what they called walk the gauntlet which is where they would put them in a hallway of the hotel they were staying at, have, oh, these, this. have these 90 men and women walk down and grab and grope mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. do whatever they wanted. Uh, it's terrible. It's disgusting. It's hurtful. It's harmful. And of course, this exploded. This led to investigations. Over 300 officers were removed and several more and according to an article on Medium, I can't find anything else confirming this, but I found two small sources. Uh, part of that result of that investigation was also the Navy withdrawing support for the Top Gun sequel, 
believing that a scene in the first movie when Tom Cruise I'm, follows Kelly McGillis into the bathroom yeah, it seems and really problem. spends the whole movie just chasing, doing this, being pepperly pew to her, yeah. <laughs> allegedly, they believed that the movie was supporting the behavior of the hundred aviators and said, we're done. So of course- I, It's funny because upon rewatching it, you and I both were like, wait, that, whoa, that's a, that's a sequence that he just walks into a, a woman's bathroom. And then he yep. was pre pretty consistent and aggressive in his uh, approach of her. And I was like, this wouldn't No, he's got some real Pepe Le Pew energy yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Um, um, but it, I think it, it, a lot of people <laughs> ignore it because eventually she does acquiesce. But it also, I think it's because most of the love he has is more towards Goose than it is towards... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We're like, we don't believe that he loves her. He loves, <laughs> right. he loves Goose. Exactly. I loved the men. The <laughs> I mean, how could you not? So then, I mean, a chunk of the rest is history. Obviously, the movie has less funding. Paramount's not interested. Nobody wants to go near it. Everybody else involved in this movie has blown up. It's impossible to get these people to come back. Yeah. And for decades, every interview, I remember one from Night and Day when Tom Cruise was like, look, guys, if you want Top Gun 2, you got to go see Night and Day. They're not going to greenlight these legacy sequels unless you go see my to, to comedy rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get um, me wrong, Night and Day is fun, but Tom, yeah, no I one's going to see I've actually never seen it. Really? It's oh, it's a, weird, fun, it's, a, it's a fun I, little flick. That's what I was told. I think we'll probably end up watching it tonight or tomorrow. Um, so it's out of development until 2010 when Tony Scott had an idea to explore the transition of pilots to drones in the Navy. That was the movie. That was the story. Unfortunately, his untimely death, the movie was postponed indefinitely until Tom Cruise, I guess, was like, we're doing it. They found their director in 2017 with a 2019 release. And then the rest of it is very quick history. We're delayed into 2020 because they want to get these plane shots right. You know, Tom yeah. Cruise is flying those planes. Yeah. He is flying those planes, which is awesome. Which is nuts and amazing at the same time. He took fly that I kept everybody who was like, I don't know. I was like, he took flying lessons and he's flying the planes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like when people don't like the second Matrix. I'm like, but they built that highway. That highway and is, and then they drove it. a truck and did it for real. Yeah, I don't care if you don't like the Merovingian. They, I don't think you understand. They built a mile long highway. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't think you're, you're not understanding. Maybe, maybe I'm not saying this correctly. <laughs> Tom Cruise, he got into the plane. It took off, and we filmed a movie. <laughs> Then he landed the plane. I can't do that. No, <laughs> no. So then, you know, delaying something into 2020, once upon a time, seemed like a brilliant, wonderful, what could go wrong? It's just a year. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people have started high school and graduated high school since the time they delayed it from 2019. That's something <laughs> to think yeah. about. Wow. So here we are now. Memorial Day weekend, Top Gun Maverick is out. I saw it on the biggest IMAX screen you can get to in LA at Universal City, and I was floored. Floored. Like, my mouth was a gasp. Easily one of the best, 
one of the best third acts of a film that I've seen in recent history. But my God, this movie was a ride. Uh, and I, for someone who th who thought the first Top Gun was like, oh yeah, that's cool. I'm like, oh God, this is this is phenomenal. And now with the two of them paired together, they do work a little bit more in synergy and marriage because it that the passing of Goose in that film is basically the heartbeat that goes throughout the entire piece of this. And it is, there's some moments where you're like, why am I tearing up at a movie about jets? Like what, how did I get Because here? Val Kilmer broke me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. I have a whole note that's just Val Kilmer on my notes. Um, yeah, I agree. I was like, it, it's so rare that I'm just so quickly like better than the first. I don't care if the first is a classic. Yeah. No disrespect to Tony Scott. He's obviously an amazing director and uh, he will go down in history as a legend. Easily. But holy shit. But the planes. Yeah. Um, I could do this whole podcast and be like, but did you see the planes? I mean, they, we just kick off Highway to the Danger Zone. Even if you don't have nostalgia for that song or that movie, it is just an 80s pumping oh, it, track. Yeah. I mean, look, they open with the same font as the 80s style Paramount Pictures font and they come in and they put that 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 highway uh, to the danger zone and they put in that old orange tinged stuff the way that Tony shot back in the day. I was like, oh, you're just bridging us right up until where we're at currently. And, we're, and I'm loving it. It's just pouring oh, this all yeah. this nostalgia in it and it's perfect. And then it becomes its own film. And I, it is. Oh, I mean, the, the movie so quickly, we talk so much about nostalgia on this podcast and when it works and when it doesn't. And this movie so quickly was like, here is more nostalgia than you can fit in a bag that's allowed on an airplane. And we are now going to so quickly rip that away. <laughs> and Tom Cruise is going to be doing some speed racer shit trying to hit Mach 10 before an admiral can shut down the, I don't even know, space program? Yeah, like the, 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 naval, the naval program they have. And that's the opening 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> You're like, this, this, this movie is like secretly three movies. For a minute, it's like Tom Cruise really wants to go to space and we just have to indulge that. <laughs> then it's a Top Gun sequel. And then for a brief minute, they're just like, what if McQuarrie took the wheel and we just made a Mission Impossible film? Oh, yeah. And now we'll do another Top Gun movie. And we are just soaring. I mean, it is the speed, the sound design, the cockiness, the dialogue, this stuffy admiral. You're like back in like a dumb 80s sex comedy where you're like, yeah, take that. Tell him. Yeah, tell him. <laughs> You don't get anybody more smarmy. You stupid idiot! You don't get anybody more smarmy than Ed Harris and and John Hamm together. You're like both of them are like, yeah, stick it to the man. That's that's yeah, right. Like, oh, yeah, Maverick, you show him. <laughs> oh, but I'm just full spoilers. Everybody on their mom saw this movie this weekend yeah. because it achieved a demo higher than other films. Mm -hmm. Um, so quite literally, everybody, in everyone and their mother. Um, Oh man, we blow out the engine at the back of that plane and he goes down and he's just walking around like back to the future, figuring out where he is, where this, am I, Earth, comedy after it. This movie has a, right, I was like, this movie does things with comedic beats that the first Top Gun couldn't even fathom. I was like, oh, this is a film film. Like this is, this is when Mission, this is when Tom Cruise has realized that since I would say probably Minority Report is from that point on, he's like, I'm making summer blockbuster films. 
And in doing that, I'm making an entire ride from top to finish. I'm going to have humor. I'm going to have love. I'm going to have all that in there. And he makes an entire meal of entertainment fare. And that's what this movie is. It gives you those, those comedic beats. It gives you insane action. And I'm still in love with Jennifer Connelly. So they didn't have to do much to sell me on that. But yes, uh, that makes sense to me too. I'm like, yeah, all of this works. Every piece of this fits to make this kind of perfect summer fair that you just leave the theater and you're like, can we run that back? That's how I felt immediately. I was like, oh, yeah, we we wrapped it up. And I was like, it's only 11. Keep it. <laughs> can we put that back, back to on? one? <laughs> right. I'm not done. <laughs> you get me another popcorn and a whiskey. We're here. Like we're so, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then like we and then we just in it. John Hamm is such a great adversary for him and is just so it's such a classic story of like somebody is by the books and somebody's a bad boy. Yeah. And if we go by the books, the new kids will probably die. Cause we get what the first Top Gun didn't have so quickly, which is like a, a tangible goal, a real MacGuffin and a real mission. Mm-hmm. We're not really just flying around trying to see who's the best, debating with Iceman, playing volleyball, although we do those things also. But it makes more sense here because it's team building here, whereas that one was just an obligatory MTV shot that they just happened to have in the middle. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, yeah, the first one is so about Maverick and his journey, and this one is so about functioning as a team and letting go of the past and, and, and getting over things and moving on and and yeah he, he does it it's like he remembers it it's like he holds these memories mm-hmm. anything with goose so highly that he's like this is what did it this is why this is why me and ice are friends it's why goose and i were friends like you have to have this and i thought it was great and we get you know miles teller who just looks like goose it's crazy how much he looks like anthony edwards it's i was like how is that maybe it's a lot of it's probably the mustache but like i mean yes (laughs) that's that's the majority of it but i was like oh but he just feel it feels like oh yeah this would be this would be goose's kid like this all tracks and we very quickly establish everybody's archetypes we have like you know he's mad about the past and we have a hangman who's just like I'm the best, and then we have Bob who's like the nerd, the nerd, and, yeah, and yeah. Phoenix who's just like the best. Like she, if they were the turtles, she would be Leonardo. She would be the lead, yeah, she's one like, of I love they made her. She's she's the best. Like the first person he picked on his team, like her. I want. I, she's on my squad, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a very 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 good dynamic, and I mean, just watching. It's so weird because I, I feel like normally when we do these passing of the guard, the the old and the new and the young kids and the older guys, it's very much like the ways of the old person don't work anymore. Right. And we spend like 20 minutes with Tom Cruise just putting these kids in their place. Beating, beating the hell out of them, putting them in their spot. Like you kids don't know what you're doing. Like, yeah, your machines might be better. You might be have more technology. You might even have more education, might have more book smarts, but I can outfly every single one of you. And let me show you. And he and does. When, and when we finally kind of have his breaking, because like, you know, nobody, nobody gets his style. And it's finally the like, you're just teaching these kids to fail. He, he's having them fly in ways that they can't fly. He's making them dogfight. He is... What I believe what he actually says is I'm finding your limit and I'm going to push it. 
Mm-hmm. He quite literally throws the book out on day one, which like I shouldn't like. That should be a dumb, stereotypical like family guy bit where it's like, where's that rule book? Ha! And he throws it out and we're like, <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah. But for some reason, I was like, yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Take that, the system. Um, you know, in our pro-military film. <laughs> our, uh, and that's how they get you. But he then eventually has this like few good men moment where he's like, I'm teaching them how to come home. You're teaching them how to just blow up the base. I want them coming home. You're like, oh my God, Tom, yeah. you want to, you just. There, there are a couple of moments in this film where you were like, ah, oh, I forget Tom Cruise pre-Mission Impossible. He was acting his ass off. I forgot he could, he could do this. And then that scene, and then I'm sure we'll talk about the sequence with him and Val Kilmer. where you're kind of like, Oh yeah, Tom. Tom is an actor. Actor. He likes this stunt stuff. He likes to do these action spectacles. But you get down to the brass tacks. This dude can hang. He with knows the best how to stuff. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then the the Val Kilmer stuff. I mean, we gotta. Yeah. We have to talk about it. It was everything um, else is so fun. So now we have to have our our very serious Top Gun moment, and then we'll have fun again. I was glad that they they put him in and they were able to write something into him because if people don't know that he has had throat throat cancer and had surgery and as, so his voice is shot he, he my can't. mom didn't know and i was like you know he's back and it and it, I, and I very much was like this might be the last time mm-hmm. and she was like oh why and i told her and she was like oh well now like we have to go right. and i was like yes yeah, yeah. um stacy who loves top and she had no clue about val Kilmer's, uh uh, health situation so um and then they recreated his voice based on uh past footage and kind of made made the voice so that they could do oh because yeah, that wasn't him was just pushing himself that wasn't him speaking like he was he was doing the mouthing and his voice was in the scene for tom he could hear him but they recreated his voice with uh past footage and past stuff to kind of create the, what they could because he couldn't wow. obviously yeah uh that's nuts it is nuts it is nuts because you obviously didn't notice a beat uh no it is is amazing what they were able to pull off in such a it's a very intense and intimate scene um and i'm glad it i'm glad it was i'm glad it took place and i'm glad that both of them were present to do it i'm glad that val was still around even though he may not be in the shape that he was i'm glad that he was he got to do this because he he's been wanting to do this movie um forever too oh they've all been wanting to do yeah. it yeah um and so it was very emotional because the subtext is of the two of them like iceman's basically been kind of bring anytime they've ever gotten in trouble iceman would kind of get them out of it. it's like i'm your wingman and they've been kind of backing each up but it also now the other subtext is like the two actors kind of like you know this is probably gonna be val's last time on screen uh which is kind of sad too and so just to end the scene ends on a button of happy like a kind of still them going for tit for tat i'm like that's perfect that's the perfect way to send send this off i was gonna say for a scene that did make me cry because it is it is set up and he's sending texts and even when he comes in and talks to his wife and it's come back and no one knows and he's just alone in this room and he looks good i mean and not just like he looks good i was like oh they gave him a nice little scarf and look at this man i want to Bill Kilmer, he's a good Batman. <laughs> Doc Holiday, and that's Doc. You got it. Yeah, yeah it's like un, unappreciated in his time. <laughs> he has been a very famous. Um, 
he's typing and he's making Tom read, which I, I loved that for a guy, Maverick, as a character who's so good at like finagling his way out of things and he's witty and he's quick and can argue his way out. He can't do that with Iceman here. Yeah. There's a very literal a, a physical ability, both narratively and as an actor, but he also just has to look at this screen. It almost and comes it, off like more like a therapy session in a way, because a lot of times with it, with therapists, you end up doing more talking. They kind of just sit there and like let you go, and that's a, that's literally what's happening for this. And it's fascinating to kind of just like watch Maverick sort of process everything. He's he's going through everything, and he knows everything and what he should and should not be doing in his own head. But he needs sort of that look from Iceman to kind of like, all right, I guess I'm right. Yeah. And it, it really, I think, shows the writer, the director, Val Kilmer, and Tom Cruise's ability that they can have this incredibly deep and important conversation. And we're not like laughing at the scenario, but like Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer are both such good friends that there's like a kismet, there's like a comedy beat where he is just like, I can't. I, I have to I can't argue with this man like you're <laughs> right you're making me do this yeah and it's like this is great this is so funny because it's like it is emotional and it is heavy and for Maverick's arc it's like this is the first time where he can't talk his way out of it he has right. to deal he has to deal with Iceman and he has to deal with himself and then we end on the like who was the better pilot? Oh, this was a nice moment. Let's not ruin it. <laughs> very, very Apollo Creed and Rocky. It is. It like, is. It is. Um, but that's how yeah. like, we, we keep talking about how like these movies are bromances, but that's how bros would end the conversation. They're not going to say, I love you. They're going to be like, you know, I got the one up on you. Right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, fine. Yeah, that's how they're going to end that conversation. And that's their way of saying, I love you, as opposed to actually verbalizing it that way. Yeah, I yeah I, I was so thrilled. I loved I loved it so much. And then it just it gets like dark for him after that. John Hamm comes in and has his and it's oh it's so good. John Hamm steals that scene where he's just like he's not here to help you, man. Yeah, your your rope your leash is cut. Like I I'm taking over now, which just makes the sequence that follows afterwards with Maverick. The best pod racing scene ever made. Fantastic. <laughs> I will relate this mission to Star Wars because it's just well, because pod racing it, and the Death it, Star. And then trying to shoot into a small hole. I was like, wait a minute, yeah. I've seen this. <laughs> I was waiting for some of the hot the kids to be like, what are you doing? Are you going to tell us it's like no bigger than a wall? It was three meters too. And I was like, now you're just being me. Because I have to say no bigger than a womp rat now. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I really was like, Bob's going to say it. It's going to be Bob. <laughs> right. Because he's, he's the nerdy a, one. He's he would, a nerd. He would fit him. Yeah. Right. Um, but they don't, you know, we don't do that, which is fine because I'm always like, we don't need to do pop culture bits in our movies. Um, but it's a fantastic it, sequence that typically something like that or the come up and or the show you how I am usually done in dialogue and then this movie is like nope we're going to have an entire action sequence that just shows you I'm still the one that should be teaching these kids and it is fantastic and it's from that point on it, the, the movie doesn't really let up at all but it's from that point on the movie's like cool I got you by the throat now and I'm never letting you go to this movie well, and it, it's great because he goes and sees the love interest and 
sneaks out her window like it's the 80s and the daughter <laughs> catches him and does the like don't break your heart was like, I oh love it. which i, I love it so much loved it so much yeah um and then i like he's not doing that stunt to be snarky no he's doing it to prove it can be done and i think in his mind he's done he's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna show them it's possible to do it and then i'm dropping the mic and I'm going to go right up in the sunset. Because if, right, because in his brain, he's like, if I'm not teaching them, then at least you should be teaching them the same way that I was planning to. Like this, what I'm saying is the correct way to do this. And it's going to make them question, because they were already like, wait a minute, you're going to get us killed. Like everything you're saying is not what, we're going to get murdered out there if we do it your way. And then to see Maverick come in and kind of do his own, his, his thing. You're right. I, it wasn't so much a showing up. Now, granted, John Hamm's character took it like that because he just has that interaction with him. But it was more of saying, this is possible if you listen to me. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very good, like, see? Yeah. And then, obviously, his plan works too well, and he now has to go lead this team. Cool, you do it. And, yeah, and not have a happy ending. We got to yeah. go do a third act. We have to go do a Mission Impossible movie. The plane goes down. I think everybody thought that we were going to kill Maverick. I, I 100% thought he was gone. Uh, and instead, we take this crazy tonal shift that I should hate. He's now running away from helicopters. Trying to the steal mission's another... a success. Yeah. The kids are all making it home. He's he's it's like the reverend meets Black Hawk down. Yeah. And Goose's kid comes back. Rooster shows up to help him out. And then we see the only surviving F-14 Tomcat on the runway. And we have to go Ocean's Eleven that shit. Yeah. And I should hate it. It should not work. But it does. But it's great. Yeah. <laughs> then he's got to fight the Gen 5 planes with the F. Now I'm just a kid that fights toys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it kept one-upping. It's like, all right, they did They did the mission. The mission's good. Oh, crap. All hell is breaking loose. And it just goes. And it just does not let up. It is one of the most perfect third acts I've seen of a, of a, of a And they, a, you a know, film. they had me. I'm usually pretty cynical. I'm usually pretty like, there, it's Maverick and Brewster. They're going to make it. But a part of me was like, we could we could kill both but of both them. of them could rise like both i them. i really was like oh no have they actually made a movie where i care about everyone so they can be like we're gonna kill we're them gonna all take them all out yeah um but they did it hangman swoops in great yeah you're looking good hangman i am good rooster i'm very good son of a bitch he does the flyby you know he was. I love like, he does the flyby. Why didn't we spill coffee? I really wanted John Hamm to have some coffee. But just the was like, of, okay, guys, we're very. Just close. the look of John John Hamm's face. He's like this motherfucker. I can't even get mad at him. He's still alive. But God then, damn you! I audibly in the theater <laughs> when he's going into the land just went, "Oh shit, that wheel broke." It's off. gone. My brain did too. I was like, "Oh crap!" Like, I don't have a oh man, we are. This is some like classic blockbuster stuff where just every possible thing that is wrong, and then that plane skids on the runway, right up to the nose of the camera on the. If you got the biggest screen you can find, and just yeah. watch that thing fly at you. That is how they felt when that train came roaring at them when film was first created. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like because I know. I know Aaron Kruger wrote this, but Christopher McCrory also had some screenplay stuff. You know oh, that Mission Impossible sequence is his. <laughs> the camera. 
for 30 minutes. <laughs> you can't tell me that, that he wasn't Joseph. just like, move. Joseph, <laughs> move. I got this from here. Tom and I got a little drunk last night. And we thought, let's make a Mission Impossible movie in this. And I know what you're thinking. Is Rogue Nation going to have a Top Gun sequence in it now? And the answer is probably yes. More than likely. <laughs> uh, I mean, 36 years. What a wait. But here we are. The last, Bigger I will, stunts. I will say this. Because I, I loved it. The final line of this movie, when Miles, when Rooster says to him, uh, is what my father would have done. Dude. I would perfect. I was like, you well, I can go home now. We're done. That that's it. That's how you close out a film. I was like, that normally is this perfect. is where we get cynical and I say, Terrence, why are we doing this today in 2022? <laughs> and we have an answer or we don't have an answer. I don't have an answer because it was delayed so much that I'm like, well, really, I guess it would have come out in 2000. I don't know. There's a multiverse of madness of when this. That there's film a version out. of the, like there's another Top Gun that exists Clearly, in some alternate universe. Tony Scott, he really wanted to talk about the uh, changing of technology, which would and, be relevant. And they do keep that thread at the very in the Ed Harris piece at the beginning, like that part where your time playing, is over. Right, like they kept that piece where they're like, all right, we're going to still represent some of what Tony was bringing in, but then we're going to go do our, I, what we want to do. I think that's a theme that we're going to see more and more as we sort of watch our our stars of the 80s and even 90s and 70s in some cases ride off into the sunset we're gonna get more and more movies of like well you're the sun is setting on your time and the world is changing but i think at its core this one really does get to that same idea that made top gun so relevant which is a kind of an evergreen theme of like teamwork friendship figuring out who you are dealing with your mistakes legacy too in the case of rooster legacy. Like his legacy um and and a lot a lot of it was going to be allowing what is because granted maverick is not uh rooster's father but he was sort of playing as his father uh what do you allow your kids to do because like he thought he was protecting his kid or protecting rooster and he's made it worse for him what a great line we find out that he has not he removed rooster's application from the naval academy set back his career four or five years i think is what they say you find out that it was his, his late mother who was like don't let him do it i can't i know and they were like why didn't you tell rooster he's like he hates me why should he also hate his mom yeah and, like, and i was like that's yeah mm. damn it maverick they'll never they'll never know the sacrifices you made tom cruise yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, a lot of just, I mean, like, what a, this is what I think we do need more of when I look at, like, blockbusters. And it is what I think Marvel and Star Wars, to a lesser extent, and Mission Impossible, and some of the, the ones that have really stuck around, do well, is they slow down and have these moments. Mm -hmm. A lot of the MCU movies, Star Wars movies, Indiana Jones, James Bond, have these moments where we slow down and really do the character work. Yeah, and the bad ones don't. Like, like you'll get, like, you'll get the. I don't, I don't want to bash them, but you get into the Roland Emmerich films, which are like these huge summer spectacles, but they don't really take the moment to breathe and like let the characters. Have but them. you, yeah, you haven't felt the way you felt in Independence Day and a Roland Emmerich movie since Independence Day, right? Because the back half of Independence, an hour of that movie, is just why you should care about these people. Mm -hmm. 
it, it un- until the White House blows up, it's not even an alien action movie. It is right. just a drama of people making mistakes and the president not knowing what to do. And right. we blow up the White House and we go crazy. But you wouldn't care about Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith in that plane. And when the fat lady sings and the cigars, we didn't do that hour of nonsense. Correct. Do the hour of nonsense. And then fly the plane. And then fly the planes. Like I know a lot of people always say, like, oh, I don't like these character moments. Or like those, that's where you get me. Like if you give me a, a a movie that has character beats and the romance like that, I know it seems silly in this movie, but that sequence of Tom Cruise sneaking in into her and them having their their love making session and him leaving out, I love that. Like I need that right. to give me a little bit more of like, okay, I can see who he is as a person, uh, and those beats make an overall film. If you pull that out, you're like, ah, this just been run. Yeah, and I mean, I think everybody agrees that if Goose didn't die, we wouldn't probably hold top gun up as high as we do correct if he just won the day we'd be like oh yeah that story about the pilot who chases the girl in the bathroom just she dates him and then blows up some two enemy planes and lands all right you'd always be (laughs) my wingman iceman all right and instead we're like but they're brothers yeah uh and that's it i mean then we're almost at it we are at an hour um there's just so much we just gave you a beat for fucking beat of this movie yeah it's a glorious film box office jesus (laughs) smashing records uh you know i i I know i feel like every week there's now a variety or deadline article about how we're back the theaters are recovered they've recovered and we're back we i'm not going to sit here and be like people are getting more comfortable we know that I do, however, think that this one has latched into a nostalgia. Like my mom is excited to go. This is what's interesting. Yeah, so that's what's interesting about this one. And we even saw it a little bit in our audience because we definitely had people that were 50 plus in our our theater. I think this is the first movie post, we're still in the pandemic, but in this, that the audience is above 45 or like, yeah, I'm I'm going to go watch this one. Like this one, I'm going to go see. which changes the game a little bit. Like that gives a movie like this legs, even though it's already coming out like gangbusters, it's going to continue on because word of mouth for this is A plus cinema score, which is just unheard of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we talked about the beginning, the first Top Gun was kind of mixed. This is just- Yeah, it's, it's not Across nuts. the board. So the first audience where you're getting that 45 plus audience that feels comfortable enough to be like, yeah, if I'm going to go out here, that's the one I'm going to go see. And so you just start getting these massive audiences together consistently to do what is the flag in the sand. This is the summer opening flick for this for this for summer 2022. Yeah, I mean, like you had Doctor Strange, like Marvel kicked us off. Yeah. But I, I really am now like this is movie wise and I love my good indie A24s. I loved everything ever at once, The Unbearable Weight of Massive yeah. Talent and the other very, very long titles. Two of my favorite films. Um, <laughs> um, all great. But there's something about the dumb summer where I'm just like, great. And now we're going to go see Dinosaurs next. And yeah. then we're going to go see Lightyear. Exactly. And then Thor's going to show we're up. In it. And it, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I love it. We were just hit after hit, I hope. After hits, I'm sure it, Jurassic World 3 won't I get I think <laughs> after two years of not having it, kind of getting that movie that says, hey, summer movies are back, we're, we're doing this, is refreshing for me. 
a person who likes to go to movies, I'm same for you. I, I, I kind of am like, thank you. I appreciate this. I want this. Bullet Train, The yeah. Gray Man. I mean, we're just, and there are some original Bullet Train. We're not going to cover another podcast because it's yeah. brand new. Go see it. Yeah. Yeah. If you want the Top Gun sequels, you got to go see Bullet Train. <laughs> um, yeah. It is a hunt for the, if you want the hard numbers for the box office, 156 million domestic, 252 global as of three hours ago. So 3 p.m. on Monday, May mm-hmm. 30th, beating the Memorial Day record, also held by Jeremy Bruckheimer. So he's having a great day. He's fa- yeah, he's uh, fantastic. Which was Pirates at World's End. I believe that was the third one, which had made $153 million domestically. Beat it by three. Um, which, you know, inflation plus COVID probably means it played out about the same ticket about the wise. Same. Yeah. This is also Tom Cruise's highest domestic opening record. Which is nuts. <laughs> beating War of the Worlds at 64 million, which seemed low to me, but. Is this getting a moment? Because, you know, they sometimes, those numbers, if it's a Memorial weekend and it's a three day weekend, they kind of don't count them anymore. So I'm wondering. Uh, that is possible. This is yeah. all from deadline. Because I would imagine, I feel like the last couple of missions would have been Tom's largest box office, but maybe I'm wrong. You, that would make more sense to me. Yeah, like, like just... his opening, unless they don't. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to go find the article again. Yeah, uh, but I know it's also clock. it's also one of the biggest open. It's the biggest opening that Paramount has ever seen for any of their films. So that and this is just doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, Everything. I mean, we we talked about that on one of our other podcasts. So they like they made the decision last year to not release it in Q4, mm-hmm. and I believe on whatever episode that was, I said they're going to be really upset. That they fired the people who made those decisions because they are going to decimate with this date. And Spider-Man No Way Home would have kicked this movie's ass. Yeah, it's like, it's interesting to me because. Uh, this movie and Tenet were kind of are scheduled to sort of drop around the same day. And then they got the hell out of the way. And Tenet was like, nope, we're going to keep, we're going to keep this. And we see what happened to Tenet. Now, quality be damned, whatever. But like, that was supposed to be the film. Well, I mean, Tenet, kind of like, you had to find, you had to go out of your way. Dry, and and so at that bad. point, I was at the height of it. So you had to find drive-ins that can like, hey, can you play this? Because there's no theaters that are actively putting this in the theater. Yeah. But Christopher Nolan actively wanted that theater where Tom Cruise told the studio, now that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of pull that man had. But he's like, hey, I make movies for the theaters. Hold this. Don't release this. Like, well, Tom Cruise right. has been secretly running Paramount for years. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. By the dollar. <laughs> he's, he's, that is correct. They don't have a Marvel property. They have Tom Cruise. It's like Tom Cruise. What are you doing this week? Cool. We will fund it. <laughs> uh, his biggest global opening, according to Deadline, but now he said Mission Impossible. And I'm like, I got to go find these numbers again. Apparently it was The Mummy at 172. I can so, see that. I know it takes That makes more that, sense it to me. large, yeah. Let's see if I can just really quick. Did Deadline lie to me? They've done that before. <laughs> They have, and I don't like it. I miss boxoffice.com. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the movie was great. <laughs> no, it, it's a phenomenal film. It's a film that I will be seeing. And Stacy normally does not go to see movies twice in the theater. She's like, no, we should go. I want to see that one again. 
Tom Cruise has had his first 100 plus domestic opening weekend is like every article. So yeah. So yeah. yeah this is, that, that's wild. Man, to me. That's so nuts. We don't, we can, I can wrap up the show, but now I'm like, how much did Mission Impossible make its opening weekend? <laughs> right. Mission Impossible. I would have to imagine that this this next mission, when it drops, has to because people all everybody has been saying that Fallout the last one was the, the best. So if we keep going up, then I imagine that these numbers have to increase uh, as we go. I along. mean, yeah, I can't even find Mission. Okay, one hundred and fifty three globally for Mission Impossible Fallout was its opening. What was its domestic? Give me that domestic number. It doesn't matter. We can wrap up. No, yeah. We will talk about the Mission Impossible box office in full in a year when Rogue Nation is finally out. Uh, sorry, dear listeners. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just 61, get it. 61.0. Oh, here it is. 61.2 in the States. Uh, which which was the best, I also just found it. Best of the series and best of his second best of his career, which now is third. But yeah. And before that, Mission Impossible 2 is 57.8. Are we the only ones who like? I thought we all liked Mission Impossible. I thought we were all in on this. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> this is shocking to me. I've been here this whole for years. Like, oh, you know, Mission Impossible makes the same money as a lot of Marvel movies. I have been incorrect. Yeah, I, I was putting this on like the Bond numbers, but I'm, I, have to, I have to go back down this rabbit hole because I was drastically wrong. <laughs> so how is it that mensjournal.com was the first site that was able to give me that information? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right, guys, well, that's our show. Go see Maverick if you haven't already. If you have, see it again. Uh, obviously, yeah. it needs our support. There's nothing next weekend. We have another kind of dead week uh which is fine because you'll all be enjoying obi-wan and whatever else disney plus and these high art television studios are throwing our way we will be back uh in june for jurassic world dinosaurs yeah (laughs) planes and dinosaurs (laughs) we and then toy story we're seven again uh and not in the way when it's like our childhood is back in the way of like these were the models that i had (laughs) dinosaurs and toys yeah uh, of course, you can follow the show at Hollywood ADI on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, as always, Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. You can find all of our other shows, the Marvel Parrips, and you can't do that anymore on the podcast feed for Hollywood Already Did It. And Terrence has the YouTube channel for Hollywood Already Did It, where he's doing trailer reactions, episode by episode reviews of various TV shows. And we will see everybody uh, in June. Mm-hmm.